This is Investing Ideas by ValueInvestAsia.com. This week, we talked to Mr. Tan Chun-Hao, an investor from Skyfield Capital based out of Sydney, Australia. Chun-Hao has been investing in the stock market for a long time, but I would say that he has quite a unique style of investment. He almost approached the stock market like a venture capitalist, looking at high-growth, high-potential company that is still undiscovered by the public. This week, he shared with us one of his key ideas, a fintech company based out of China, where the growth potential is still far from over. Without further ado, let's get started. From ValueInvestAsia.com, this is Investing Ideas, where we talk to investors from all walks of life, learn from them, and find out some of their favorite investment ideas. Today, we have a very special guest, uh, Chun Hao from Skyview Capital. Hello, Chun Hao, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me here, Stanley. Yeah. So, uh, Jun Hao, I think uh, you have been a long-time investor and uh, we have known each other for a while and you have always shared with me great investment ideas. Why don't you just give a brief background on uh, your investment journey and uh, what, what do you do now at uh, Skyfield Capital? Yeah, so um, I'm an engineer by training, um, but I have had some financial experience as well. Um, I've always enjoyed investing. So typically looking at uh, Benjamin Graham as a value investor, that's a starting point. But over the course of my career and, and life, you know, um, I have taken different nuances and different approaches to investing. Um, so in Skyfield Capital, it's a family office. So we do primarily private investments um, and we are often the, uh, the, the bridge or the financing solution between the cash flow need of business and, uh, and the revenue that they generate. So we are in essence a funding gap. So that means mm -hmm. we are quite flexible on how we can structure uh, our financing solution. So th that's what we do. Okay. Um, quite agnostic per se. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we do public investments when the opportunities arise. Um, so we are well, quite long-term by nature uh, and very patient. Mm -hmm. So what, what that means is, you know, we will only sell when we realize we have a mistake, and that's the only reason we sell together with the founders. Um, and when, when I say patient, meaning you know we're not incentivized by uh, by commission or transaction fee. So meaning we can be sitting along and not doing a deal in two years, but we can also do three deals in a quarter. So that's mm. that's how flexible we are right. by large. Um, Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I guess uh, giving you uh, the flexibility as a family office, definitely you can be much more diverse in your investment and also, uh, you know, you don't have to have a quarterly target to reach, you know, similar to hedge funds. Uh, but on your personal note, um, you know, how would you describe your own investment style? Uh, you know, when I ask you, you know, how, what's your main strategy of investment? How, how would you describe that? Yeah, well, good question. I, I, I don't think I covered that uh, in my description of Skyfield Capital. Hmm. Um, so I, I tend to hold a quite concentrated portfolio. Um, and that's the reason being, um, you know, I have, if something is not simple enough for me to understand, um, I will stay away. Mm -hmm. um, so we're a hedge fund. I, I don't have that trading mentality. So it's a buy and hold type of a mentality. Um, and because it's very concentrated, I need to have high conviction. So that sometimes it might take 
even years for me to to believe and, and include that in my portfolio. Um, and I typically like very long-term circular trends, like the rising middle class in China. Uh, that's a theme that is not going to change. It has a lot of tailwind, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and and when when you have that kind of long-term thinking, and when you have the privilege of waiting and being patient, um, and and when you see great companies buying quality companies, they're typically not cheap. So meaning you're not getting a cigarette, you know, you're not looking yes. uh, for value opportunity, but rather, you know, in, for the lack of that, I think you're looking at compounders and then figuring out what a fair price uh, to pay and the reason why you get it. Um, so, so that's that's my start in the public sector um, that I, you know, manage my own portfolio on behalf of my family members. Ah, cool, cool. Okay, and I definitely, I think that the... the, the the idea that you're going to present today also kind of fit into this investment philosophy. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about this company? It's quite a unique company, which, uh, to be honest, I haven't really come across, and I find it fascinating, but uh, why, why don't you explain a little bit what does this company do? Yeah, so the, um, the target company that I'm going to talk about is Jianbu uh, Technology. Um, the ticker is JT. Okay, listed, so listed in the uh, US, right? On the NASDAQ Stock Exchange, uh, okay. late 2017. Um, they are essentially a marketplace um, by, by birth, um, founded in 2012 by four founders with experience in PayPal, Amex, uh, Baidu. So it's a combination of consumer online marketing as well as uh, financial experience in, among the background of the founders. So they generated around, I would say, close to 300 million uh, US dollars revenue mm-hmm. in, two, in 2018. And they made a loss of, say, 20 million uh, in, in the same year. Okay. Um, but they have 120 registered users in China online. And that's quite massive. Um, so what they do is, if you are a user in China um, and you have a credit need, meaning you need a credit card or you need to apply for a loan, mm-hmm. um, so they don't have traditional brick and mortar branches. So you go online and you search on Baidu or you search on some other um, search engines in, in China. Okay. You, you will hopefully come across uh, their brand, Rome 360. So that's the brand that they, um, you know, the products are wrapped around. Um, and it's a marketplace, meaning you key in your need and then you have a list of um, traditional, you know, credit card companies or car loan companies or even mortgage companies. Okay. And then you fill your criteria and, um, and they will send you based on your need to the right provider and they collect the fee. So, so that's what they do. They collect fees like per credit card success or per loan success. Um, and on top of that, I think there's a third component of their revenue stream, which is uh, the sales and marketing fee oh. that they manage to monetize from the banking and financial institutions um, in the sense that with the data that they have mm-hmm. through the 120 users, mm-hmm. um, you know whether it's you're based in Shanghai, you're looking for a loan in uh, Tianjin, or you're looking to you know purchase a, a car loan, or whether it's secure, unsecured, mm-hmm. your disposable income, how long you intend to pay, and have you had a history of uh, um, owning you know credit cards, and have you had late payments, and you know, how do you use social, and how do you use WeChat Pay or Alipay? Oh, okay. Structured and unstructured data, mm-hmm. they can you know change it as a uh, sales and marketing tool, like a, on a SaaS recurring revenue basis, 
to to banks or to insurance companies right. that they're happy to pay because it's like a targeted lead. Um, and it has a high conversion rate mm -hmm. as opposed to just shooting your marketing dollars to Google Ads or, or Facebook uh, in the West. But mm -hmm. they, they clearly have their own system in China as well. So, so those are the three components of uh, their revenue. Um, and, and the bulk of their expenses, essentially sales and marketing, because that's mm. how they grab and acquire customers online. Okay. Um, that's the uh, product and uh, marketing um, you know, development team. I call it the R&D bucket. Mm -hmm. So essentially every single periodical time, you need to introduce new products right. you know, to capture users. Mm -hmm. So, and then the third one is SGNA, which is, you know, the management overheads. You know, people who are not directly involved in acquiring customers, but people mm -hmm. who are like the managers, you know, the admin yeah. manager, yeah. like the CFO, CEO, and the CEO. Mm -hmm. So those are the expenses. Um, and, you know, they're in the right place, in the right market, um, doing online and mobile, mm -hmm. um, acquisition of uh, consumers on behalf of all the financial institutions. So right. that's a uh, nutshell of their business model. Okay, but but it seems that uh, they, yeah, they have quite a very interesting business model. But uh, from of course, from all we have heard about China is they are so big in mobile payment and uh, mobile banking, right? Uh, especially through Alipay and WeChat Pay. Uh, does this Tianpu uh, technology work with uh, WeChat Pay or Alipay to provide uh, to link up the, the the data or to link up the, the the loans connection or are they merely servicing the offline financial institution? So, so one thing is um, they are an independent uh, platform or mm -hmm. independent market. Right? Um, there, there's a nuanced difference between a marketplace and a platform, but I can elaborate further okay. for the benefit of the. Your Data. Yes. Yes. Um, so they they do have um, working arrangements with Alipay and WeChat Pay. But when I say working arrangements, meaning they don't advertise on Alipay and WeChat Pay, but they have like a traffic sharing where mm -hmm. the data is being uh, you know shared across uh, online and on the mobile app with uh, you know big payment providers like Alipay and WeChat Pay. Mm -hmm. And and the reason why they can differentiate themselves with say Alipay and WeChat Pay is. You don't want to be um, being bundled and being sold uh, with your interest not necessarily aligned with, say, a, a provider. And, and consumers today would like to have choices. You know, they need to know what they're buying and, and not just being spoon-fed. So there's, a, there's an element of um, independence and there's an element of choice that allows them to differentiate from, say, um, Alipay and WeChat Pay. But if you have used WeChat Pay and uh, Alipay, there are also literally a library of uh, products there. But they don't give you the uh, um, what I call by the curated financial content that is pertained to your needs. So typically, they also go through other independent other platforms like Go360, which is a, a which is a very good example. Right. So does that okay? Yeah, yeah, that, uh, definitely. And uh, w would you consider them being the largest uh, player uh, if we disregard WeChat Pay and Alipay having their own database? But uh, this kind of uh, marketplace. Is uh, is Jianpu the largest one in in China right now, or there's a lot of competition? Uh, they, they are the largest by uh, just by the sheer 120 million users um, in pure financial recommendations. So because there are also many other financial intermediaries mm. uh, and they have larger uh, captive base, uh, I can give you an example like Lufax. You know that's an online insurance, and they have many more other users than, than Jianpu. 
but they are in essence, you're just buying a product from Nufex or a, a white label product from Nufex, but you're not giving the consumers the ability to research and read up and educate themselves on what is actually mining. You know, is that banking product suitable for mining? Um, so the, the ability to give choices um, and price transparency or price comparison in that format, as well as a very targeted to to where you live and how where you work and how much income you get. Um, so that I think is a uh, is one of the many reasons that I, I like about Chimp uh, that I think can work in China. Right. Interesting. Okay. And uh, apart from uh, you know the description description of the business itself, uh, what ends up uh, attracting you to this company? Maybe you share some of their growth matrix and uh, how 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 do you see the, them uh, to uh, becoming in the next few years? Yeah. So very very good question, uh, Stanley. So I I came across Jimpu uh, two three years ago as a private company trying to raise capital from us. And um, I was I was blown by by by, by a lot of their metrics. Um, so so, but then we never participated. We just felt that the uh, private sector valuation was a bit frothy at the time in China, uh, and that has proven out to be the case when we got listed. Um, but let me just share with you what I think about Jinpu by much. First of all, um, they're in the right market. It's it's China. It's they have the largest population. Uh, not only on the planet, but also on mobile as, as well as online. And they're very engaged. You know, they use the phone for, for a variety of reasons, mainly powered by the WeChat and, uh, and uh, the Ali ecosystem. So, so that's one thing. You know, there's, there's a rising middle class and they have rising credit needs. And it's the largest online mobile penetration in China around the world. And, um, you know, with rising disposable income, they will require more credit. And and without you know, just like how you might have say you know fifty uh, providers in say Holland or in, say Thailand, in, in China you're talking about thousands and thousands of uh, financial service providers just on loans itself. You know, you know it's it just mind blowing when you have so many choices and they have a lot of um, price competition where it's so difficult to differentiate what what is the interest rate and what is the um, you know, component that I'm paying for, whether it's a referral fee or commission fee, or whether this is a click fee or this advertising fee. So it's very, uh, it's mind blowing that you know it's hard for a consumer to really figure out what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you know, this marketplace model I think can work in China um, because you know it's just facilitating the user mm-hmm. um, to the need. So bridging a, a user to a financial product. And, and the financial product could come from a banking institution or financial institution. And they collect a fee in the middle. Meaning, right. why I think it's important is there's no credit risk, mm. right? So they're not a lender. Mm. So not, they're not, uh, they, they don't need a license in the first place. And they don't need to worry about bad debt. Mm. So it's all by the user. So what the content um, that is on the platform is generated by the platform. is served to educate consumers so that they are financially literate to chase and produce and, and, and confirm and procure their own product on their own merit. So, so when, when you do that, the liability ends with the consumer or the banks. Mm. So it's not on the platform because they just facilitate the, the meeting of people. Yeah. Um, and, and what I like about this model in the sense that there's no credit risk. Um, and you know, it's a very scalable model. 
Um, you know, the, the four founders, one of which uh, is a Baidu uh, search engine manager. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's they have managed to amass 120 million users. That's that's really impressive. Uh, the way they scale and acquire consumers at a much lower rate, and or I would say at a much better unit economics than all the banks, mm. um, whether it's online banks or whether they're offline banks. Um, and, as just the the way where it's the same principle. Yep. I aggregate users on behalf of. Uh, all the banks and financial institutions, and I commoditize their products, hmm. and that's how I monetize them by, by uh, you know, getting them to pay for for the data and for the users, and in the process, I collect a fee mm-hmm. whenever a, a transaction is made, and you know, they they have become the the Baidu of uh, financial services, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's their that's their you know bread and butter. Right. They want to be the, the, the search engine platform where they can advertise and monetize advertising fees. But in the process, they have added um, transactional functionality where they can also collect a fee um, based on the volume. So mm-hmm. they have multiple ways where they can continue to grow. And that's one of the you know, few reasons why I like about the business. And given that it's a mobile and online driven business, this is a typical venture capital type of deal where you know it's highly scalable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, about sixty to seventy percent of the expenses are tied to sales and marketing, okay. and, and that's just trying to acquire more and more users. But once you have all these engaged users on your platform, you can turn it off. Yeah. And once you turn it off, all the incremental revenue flows straight down to your bottom line, okay. and that's uh, the venture business where you pay a lot upfront and they pay a little bit of market to establish your brand name mm-hmm. and, and every marginal cost gets uh, better and better with and better and unique economics. Mm-hmm. So well, you know, in a way your revenue will be growing at a much quicker rate than your expenses, maybe five, ten years down the road. And, and, and that's the beauty and that's what you are paying for. Yep. Um, and then that's what I like about Gamepool yeah, okay. in China. Yeah, the, the, the business model seems uh, quite easy to understand and also, uh, like you said, highly scalable. Uh, and uh, they have, a, you know, if they turn off the marketing cost, it's, a, it's, a, it's almost like a fixed cost business. Uh, but you also talk a little bit about competition, right? Competition in China is almost like cutthroat amongst the financial institution. But I would expect the competition for this type of marketplace is also immense. Uh, in your own research, have you seen how they are able to, um, you know, gain an edge over uh, competition, or do you already consider them as the de facto uh, platform going forward, or do you still see some risk that, you know, it's very possible it could be replaced by something else in the future for this company? Yeah, so I'll, I'll just give my lens on competition. Um, like you say, in China, um, competition is on another planet. There are thousands of uh, other marketplaces, just like what Jempu is doing, and um, and there's no the the differentiator is execution risk, and building a marketplace, especially a two-sided marketplace, is extremely capital-intensive and difficult. Um, you need to know, you know, for for, for the sake of discussion, um, you know, it's hard to have only five banking partners, and when your user comes, I only have five choices, and and they might just need ten choices. And, and once the users don't come, the banking partners don't come over. So it's it's hard to build this liquidity, uh, which is why <coughs> a lot of marketplaces cannot work by much. You need to have the breadth of um, both the user as well as the financial partners. 
in this case. So um, typically, as the industry matures, there will only be one, if not two winners. You can't, the, the, the market is not large enough to have the third or the fourth because your margins will only come down. And that's just natural trajectory. And, uh, and the winner takes all. And, and they are the, by far the largest marketplace. And I attribute that to, uh, to the founders. They have, they have the, um, the payments uh, and, and financial know-how, and they have the uh, search engine background to power the business. And I find that combination between the founders really appealing um, when, when they approach us. So, so that's one thing. Second, <clears throat> competition is always going to come. Hmm. Um, and I fear... Um, I, I don't think the management team is aware, but I fear that the competition, like you say, might come from Alipay or the end financial or, or even um, a, a WeChat uh, system because just by nature of the number of users, um, you, know, you know, they have 800 million users uh, over there in, uh, in WeChat or even TikTok, uh, which is another um, company that's, that's, uh, that has a Tongtiao business as well. Yep. Um, that's, that's my fear. Um, but what gives me comfort is, you know, the, the, the WeChat ecosystem is, is, is in essence a, a social platform and they also have a gaming platform. Um, what gives me comfort is uh, Ma Hua Teng has always tried to venture into uh, e-commerce and they have never done so. Mm. Uh, it's not in their DNA. You know, it's gaming social. Likewise, Jack Ma of uh, Alibaba, they also love to have the e-commerce uh, together with social and together with gaming. But... Jack Ma and the whole team, the DNA is e-commerce mm-hmm. and finance is a, a secondary tool to, uh, to facilitate e-commerce. So, so that gives me comfort that, you know, the, the Jianpu network and the DNA of the team is essentially consumer marketing and financial products. And it's hard for them to venture elsewhere. And therefore, it gives me comfort that WeChat Pay is hard for them to replicate what they do uh, for, for financial products or, and services. Uh, and it's hard for people to say, I go to WeChat for social and gaming and I just buy a lot of services. But when it comes to independent advice, I'm not so sure whether I trust the WeChat. Mm. I might trust uh, a lot of people within WeChat Pay, but they're also using any, any other brand. So the market might be large enough for a few brands, but I don't think, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, the, the nature of a marketplace is there's only a one or two handful and then the rest will, will just peter out because more and more users migrate to more and more um, social elements and, and more and more banking partners. And, and that's how I see it. Yep. So I, I don't have a crystal ball, but I, I know that the brand name is really difficult to establish. You need to invest in above the line. And, and the testament that gives me comfort is the 120 million users. And it's a transactional platform, yep. meaning it's not just working and, and, and social link, linking here and there. It's not just content driven, but people actually do transact on the platform. And the banks are actually paid on a SaaS model to acquire the users. And, um, and out of the 120 million users, um, as of the prospectus in 2017, I remember 80 million are monthly active users. So, so that's a quite a high, high component of engaged users. Mm-hmm. And also, more importantly, a transactional user where you can click profit, like a, like a, like revenue. Mm-hmm. On top of that, you can, you can monetize by selling advertising fees. Okay, yeah, maybe we talk a little bit about the uh, shareholder structure as well. Uh, given that you know a lot of tech companies in in China right now 
although they might be founder led but uh they have a uh, you know get investment from either Tencent or Alibaba uh in this case have any of the two giants invested in them or are they still pretty much uh, founders led founders own yeah so there's a there's a common saying in china you know um as you grow to a certain size you will end up getting being absorbed into either the Tencent or the Alibaba's ecosystem yeah. and uh, in a way you know it's like say you take my capital if not i invest in another competitor to well so um, but fortunately um this this uh, team of uh, founders um although they own about you know 25 or 30% of uh, the company but they have absolute veto rights mm. um in their class B shares and that's very typical of the the tech industry whether it's in china or in um but they have managed to secure funding from uh, other vc firms um not only in china but also in the us mm-hmm. and they've managed to institutionalize that process which in a way gives me comfort um that sets a level of uh, governance in in the in chinese entity mm-hmm. um listed in in nasdaq um so yes they have managed to be truly independent um from the shareholder base and staying true to their to the mission of being a, an open and independent platform for the users by not taking uh um by by not mixing shareholder relationship with uh, business alliances like you know like most other tech companies yeah okay yeah uh, you mentioned that this they have a market cap roughly about 600 million US dollars right now uh, yeah. given that their sales is about close to 300 that's about two times sales right and they don't have much they don't have profit so it's hard to value them on a pe basis how how would you value this company uh, on your on your own research yeah so um valuation is not my forte um by much but i can give you some of the framework or some of my numbers to figure out what is a what is a decent valuation mm-hmm. so 600 million um that's the market cap um and they, they have about 120 million registered users mm-hmm. so that translate 5 us dollars to acquire user mm-hmm. and that's really cheap mm-hmm. um i i know for very established set, set, setups whether it's a marketplace or a platform you typically pay about 25 to 50 US dollars per lead mm-hmm. and that's not that's not uh, registered that's not active so so on that basis it's it's a uh, it's it's you know it's as a bargain for me mm-hmm. and that, that's how i see it. and in terms of um, going forward um there's a good comparable in in US by uh, by the name of landing tree uh, ticker is TRE okay. they have uh, elin users and it's in the market values at 4.2 billion dollars as of today um you know obviously they have a high revenue mm-hmm. um you know because, uh, they have managed to monetize and sell many other products uh, in addition to credit and and loans so they managed to get into mortgages uh, meaning home mortgages which is by far a, a larger ticket number mm-hmm. and as a more lucrative product but of a much lower volume and managed to sell insurance products as well so in that context yeah into growing not only the user base from 120 to say maybe 3 400 over the next 5 10 years mm-hmm. but uh, also the, the number of uh, other financial products that they can sell so across many multiple verticals and they can continue to grow their SaaS uh, model through advertising and targeted uh, marketing um so by and large you know i 
I when I when I like I said when I am a concentrated high conviction type of portfolio, when I buy I don't intend to sell. And uh, the only people I sell is founders have uh, cashed out like like we were founder or mm-hmm. or when they shift to another competitor or or I made the the, the, the wrong assumption or I, I made a you know maybe another form of a blockchain type of related that company that would that would just wipe out a marketplace. Okay. And I, I don't see it happening. So so that's how I am uh, I look at um, valuation of Tianpu. Cool, cool. Uh, I, I get the sense that uh, this company maybe is uh, more of like uh, a tech startup type of company where maybe uh, the, 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 the business risk itself is, is, uh, might be quite high, but the potential of it, like you said, the prospect of it, not only growing its user base, but also uh, integrating and in, in increasing more product range uh, through its platform, uh, that could has a huge impact in the future as well, right? That's that's the sense that I'm getting about this company. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that sounds uh, pretty interesting and uh, fascinating. So, uh, for 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 you as an investor, when you say that you are very concentrated, um, and if you have invested in, I guess you have invested in in Jempu, uh, how do you look at uh, allocation on, on this part? Like, uh, how how much have you actually been invested into Jempu on uh, on your portfolio basis? So a uh, typical portfolio of mine would be uh, 10 stocks and okay. uh, that would, that would uh, naturally lend itself to say a 10% of my portfolio would be in Jempu. Okay. And, and and typically, you know, I look at different sectors, different currencies, different geographical regions. So so Jempu is a pure China play. So there's no influence of trade war. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pure needs in China. It's very isolated from the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then when you buy a Jianpu ADR, you have the US dollar hedged in a way. So, you know, and, you know, obviously for, for the rest of the portfolio, I would then try and look out for very uncorrelated assets, mm-hmm. um, like, like a sterling pound equivalent of a oil and gas sector, maybe, mm-hmm. or, or something else to just you know, diversify away my risk. <laughs> ah. um, because Concentrate the portfolio. Yep. So that's how I weigh out my my um, my portfolio. But but then again, you know, it's very difficult to find uncorrelated assets. As uh, if you if you're daring enough, you can go to other cryptocurrency. But uh, you know, I would uh, always have a grain of salt with that <laughs> because it's even yet, um, you know, for for very cyclical industries like oil and gas. You are literally timing the the ups and the downs. You know, you it's not something that you can hold for the long term because mm-hmm. they are they are in cycles. Yeah. Um, but, but for Tianpu, you know, it's a tech play, it's consumer play, it's financial need, it's a big market potential, and they will continue to grow. And then you know, it it defies uh, traditional you know physics where the bigger you grow, the the higher you can extract the value. Uh, and, and the 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 the, the the faster your bottom line grows, quicker than your top line. You know mm-hmm. that, that's, that's the beauty of uh, a marketplace. A true example would be like a, like a eBay. You know mm-hmm. that's the board is that. You know yep. the, the bigger you are, the strong place. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm very uh, amazed by th- this company. And thank you so much for introducing uh, introducing this company to our audience. Uh, once again, this is uh, Junhao from Skyfield Capital, based out of Sydney. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Junhao. I hope to chat with you, with you again soon. Thank you.
Thanks. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you are feeling generous, please give us a rating and review as well. This would greatly help other investors find out about our podcast. To access our show notes, please go to valueinvestasia.com/investingideas and be sure to sign up for our email newsletter for more outstanding content and reports about investing. The show is for entertainment purposes only and should not be taken as investment advice. Please seek professional advice or do your own research when making any investment decision.